Next on BYUSN, BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope speaks to the media yesterday. Hear his thoughts on BYU's plan moving forward and into the Big 12. Plus, former all-time leading rusher Curtis Brown joins us ahead of his preparations for the Alumni Day in two weeks. Oh, I'm feeling lucky today. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. It is Friday, March 17th. I am Spencer Linton alongside, yes, a man who enjoyed Lucky Charms this morning, but he's everyone's good luck charm in Studio B, Jerem Jordan. Who's your favorite Irishman or woman? That is a great question. Colin Farrell? (laughs) Nice. Mine is Paul Mullen, who plays for the Utah Warriors. He is a fun dude. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So uh, we have an early question of the day, which is this. What is the luckiest win in BYU history? Uh, At JLaS57. Given St. Patty's Day, it should be Ainge versus the Irish. That's a great answer. But for me, it's a three-fourths court shot by Kevin Nixon yes. in the 92 WAC Championship versus UTEP. Dad was unconscious, died four hours later, but it was the last thing yeah. I did with my dad, oh, wow. who took me to many Y games. Awesome wow. memory. Wow. That is a very personal note there um, and, and a cool experience to have that as kind of the, the last arise. I struggle with this uh, question a little bit because – at what point is it skill and at what point is it just luck? And is it a combo of both? Yeah. How do you answer that question? But the 55-footer from Kevin Nixon, that, that feels pretty lucky because you don't make that just, shot a lot. You just chuck it up. But it does require some level of skill. And yeah. they said that they had practiced it every day in practice. At the very end, they'd always practice these half-court yeah. shots. Yeah. And he did it. In the case of Drake, uh, uh, Jake Drage on my middle school team, that was his primary warm-up uh, in ninth grade. <laughs> but and to me, hail marys are that way similarly. It's like, yeah, there's a certain amount of skill. You got to sure. throw it in a certain sure. spot. You got to catch it. But it's pretty lucky, man. Like hail marys, uh, like every onside kick recovered is lucky. Yeah, the odds are just every terrible. single time. Well, I had to have skill to kick it a certain. Yes, it's always skill and luck. Like to make any great play in a dramatic moment requires some semblance of luck you know what I mean to even have a shot go in yeah. think about it like you you uh to hit a home run in a timely manner it's like how many what percentage of time are you hitting a home run that's lucky almost every time you hit a home run unless your name's Aaron Judge last year <sighs> yeah. you know and a, th- a three-pointer you're missing like 60 percent of those you know so to hit one Contested, in a big moment late, that's a big deal when you're gifted a ball at half court and your name is Furman and you knock it down yesterday? What is he doing? <laughs> I had Furman, by the way. I had Furman, which is uh, probably my best pick. Uh, but here we go. On today's show, Mark Pope held an end-of-season press conference yesterday on Zoom. We'll play the best of, react, and what's trending. Curtis Brown on the alumni game, BYU running backs. Uh, why the Cougars did the Utes a favor, we'll tell you what happened there. Plus, March Madness Mania on day one. And a new deep blue featuring All-American gymnast, Elise Rollins. Go Copper Hills. Here are today's headlines. Hopefully no luck necessary for BYU women's basketball tonight when they host Rice in the opening round of the WNIT. The Owls come in with a record of 22-8. BYU trying to finish above 500, depending on what they do in the WNIT. Game tips off 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Baseball lost 12-2 at LMU in the West Coast Conference opener in LA. Gave up 17 hits. No bueno. Game two tonight, 9 Eastern on the BYU Radio app. BYU softball beats Utah Tech 3-1 in St. George yesterday. The Cougars back in Provo Saturday for a doubleheader against Idaho State beginning at 3 Eastern. Gymnastics competes in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Championship tomorrow in Cedar City at 8 Eastern time. Cougars ranked 34th in the country, need to crack the top 28 
to avoid a play-in uh, dual meet situation for the regionals, which is probably what they'll be in, but yep. they can still make it to the regionals like they typically do. They appear headed for a showdown with Towson. Diljeet Taylor, congratulations, receives her second straight women's indoor track and field mountain region assistant coach of the year designation. I know that's a mouthful, but frankly, she's awesome, so she deserves all the awards. Track and field opening up their outdoor season this weekend at the Cardinal Classic. Elijah Bryan had 16 points, three rebounds, two assists last night in the loss for Anadolu Efes in Turkey. All rise and shout. It's time for a lucky edition of What's Trending. BYU basketball, hoping that no luck is necessary. More, it's just a game plan. You go out and execute, and you, you always need some this luck. Offseason. Hope the refs don't, uh, you know, mail it in for you. you know. <laughs> there you is that metric. How you much does the luck, luck metric yeah. matter from Ken Pomeroy? We're, you, you always need luck. You, you, do need, luck. you do need the ball to bounce a certain way. Yeah. BYU is hoping they don't need to rely on luck to <laughs> rely get on luck. better. You, you, you stink if you rely on luck. Yesterday, head coach Mark Pope spoke at length with the media. And within those comments were included a few sound bites that we want to break down and discuss today. Beginning with this, Coach Poe saying there is a long and tough road just to getting ready before they play their first Big 12 game. You know, we've just barely reached base camp one of this climb up Mount Everest. And, you know, we, we, you know we're, we're super humbled by where we have to go. And we know there's not a one day or one month or one year process, but uh, we're engaged and, and can't wait to keep moving forward every day. Is a long road. And this is the second time we've heard Mark Pope address going to the base yeah. of Mount Everest. He told me that after St. Mary's. They try and ascend and begin that long climb up. I said, do you know a good Sherpa? And he said, that's us, the coach accepted. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's gonna be uh, uh, you know, an uphill climb. I said, okay, he continues, uh, BYU's getting to the Big 12 level saying, they need to build from the ground up. You know, BYU is probably a place where you're less prepared to consistently um, have quick fixes, right? Um, I think we can have some part in a in a quick fix solution, but but um, this is something that we really feel like we have to kind of grow from the ground up uh, in order to get to a space where you know we can be on this most elite level. Our culture always wants the quick fix. It dominates our society right now. Well, I want it to be better, and I want it now. In year one Which for Mark Pope, thing. he kind of had a quick fix coming off of the Dave Rose era. BYU didn't make the NIT in Dave Rose's final season. He retires. In comes Mark Pope. He talks Yoli Childs back into coming back to BYU. Yep. Has TJ Haas. Has Jake Toulson come over through the transfer portal back to BYU. Brings in Alex Barcelo. And now there's this ascension. So there, That was there, Gary Croton football in one, by the yeah. way. There was a LaBelle's guys, new offense, new scheme, new philosophy, new energy. Poof. And then after that, it didn't go well. There was somewhat of a core there. Yeah. And then he brought in the right pieces. So it felt like a quick fix. And it was like, oh, man, in year one, 
this is he's making a huge difference. Well, and what Gary Croton didn't do was have a year two, which was what Mark Pope had six and, feet at yes, large. Yes, Matt Harms ran every that that was awesome. I was just going to say that. So he didn't take the Croton path because mm-hmm. he got back there again, mm-hmm. which was very very impressive. Yep. And so the first two years, it's felt like the quick fix has been available. And to Mark Pope's and his staff's credit, they went and they found the right pieces. What we're saying is transfer portal. Yes. The quick fix. Yes, that is the quick fix. Do you have time to not be quick? Like, does any college basketball coach have that time and that allowance from the fans and from the administration? I don't think so. Like, does Mark Pope feel pressure to win right now? He absolutely does. And next year, going into the Big 12, what do we expect? Like, I'm hoping BYU makes the NIT next year. I really am. But I, I just think BYU is going to walk into an 18-game schedule where, like, five wins in league is a real possibility. It's going to be really tough. Now, if they do better than that, they get seven or eight. Okay, now you're in the bubble hunt, which is awesome. You've played a great schedule. I, I assume he feels a lot of pressure of, shoot, we didn't make the NIT last year. What if we don't make the NIT this year? Is he granted another year or two to sort of figure it out in the Big 12? How impatient are people going to be? And Mark wants to win now. He's, he's not like, hey, let's get all these talented high school guys and in three years we're, we'll develop them and we'll be good. I don't think people have time for that. Like, when you don't go to the NIT, typically there's a coaching change here. That's not going to happen with Mark this year. It's happened the last two but times. But it's happened the last two times, like you said. So I, it, it's a tough thing because it's not like you have a, a new GM and a new head coach where you give it a couple years and you draft that quarterback in the NFL. Now you have like a two-year, three-year window there there. Uh, to go. People are impatient um, because guess what? Around here, BYU wins a lot. And so you want to be at a winning level. And when you're not, you make changes. I'm not saying there are going to be changes. Sure. I'm just saying, I don't think Mark or, or Brian Santiago or Tom Homo feel like, yes, you have seven years uh, to figure this out. You know, that, unrealistic. How much patience will Mark Pope and staff be granted knowing that the climb gets that much steeper and yes. more difficult but, would, coming, but coming off of a tough season, this is, yeah. it's, this is a tricky scenario for Mark Pope to be in. Yeah, I, I feel for him because I'm hoping that they have collabed and said, listen, we know year one's going to be hard. You're our guy. Year two, we need to see some progress. Like year one, obviously we want it. But if we need to see it in year two at a minimum for is sure. what I would think. So I've been saying, and I've been told by multiple people in my friend circles that 6-12 and 12 next year, which is kind of what I feel like, BYU could get to like I feel like that's 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 a fair optim like maybe optimistic they're like no 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 too too optimistic six wins out of eighteen is too much so on the heels of no NIT uh, are people going to be calling for change um, or are we going to be patient and allow Mark to to have another year you know what I mean yeah. like let's be real about it yeah. I'm, again not calling for anyone's head here I'm not going to do that but um, just so, saying how patient will we be in this process of we're at the base camp of Mount Everest. Yes, yeah. and to be fair to the situation, yeah. looking back at the four years, we brought up the first two years. Mm-hmm. There's this little thing that wasn't in play the first two years. Mm, it's called name, image, and likeness. Yeah, and one-time transfer portal. Has yeah. now come into place, and this is making things more difficult for BYU. Yep. The first two years, it was just get someone to come to BYU. There's, there's no money grab at that time. Now that's very much in play, and this is making things difficult for BYU and the transfer portal. And in fact, let's, uh, let's skip ahead to this. We are in the midst of a transfer portal window in college basketball, as I just brought up. Coach Pope was asked if he expects more players to enter it and maybe 
there be an additional benefit for BYU? This transfer portal is super complicated. Um, there's so many different factors that come into play. Uh, there are some factors on our side in terms of of what BYU is and what it stands for and 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 how you have to live here. And there's some there's some parts in terms of um, you know there's dynamics with NIL for sure. That's not supposed to come into play uh, with this transfer portal, but it clearly is in a in a in a really really deep way. Um, and then there's you know there you know everybody's kind of um, I think everybody's kind of um, it's free agency every year, right? So we'll see how it goes. It is free agency in collegiate athletics. We just call it moral agency. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, it yes, it is. Or better and worse. Yeah. Yeah, you can have quick fixes. But now it's getting more difficult, it would seem, for a school like BYU and a program like BYU to Why? Have BYU's the in the Big 12. Fix. Maybe that will help. We hope that helps, right? We hope that that's like, hey, come play in the best basketball conference in America. BYU has two distinct advantages here that we need to acknowledge. One is access to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's, BYU has the biggest advantage in the world of, of, to those people. Not everyone wants to come to BYU. That's a massive advantage. It can also be a unique challenge to those who aren't, uh, you know, members of the church. You have to find the right fit. A kid like Cody Epps absolutely fits at BYU. Like-minded individual, loves it here, awesome. You find those kids that um, are, are great fits, and BYU's found a lot of those. Foose, Atiki, awesome fits at BYU. Jackson Robinson, fantastic. You find more of those talented, uh, like-minded individuals that want to be at a place like this. The other advantage BYU has is it's going to the Big 12. It's also a disadvantage competitively because it's tough. But we all wanted this. We all signed up for this. Now perhaps you get some guys that want to play in that league. What has Utah benefited the most in in football? The guys that wanted to go to Utah, uh, USC and UCLA. Didn't get to go. Didn't get to go, but they still want to play at a high level and compete for a championship and play in a good program. Frankly, they want to beat those schools and, and now, didn't recruit and them. And now they go there. We call that the Bronco principle, right? He went to Oregon State just to play against BYU. And then he beat BYU and he was like, now what? But like, that's what Utah has done effectively. Can BYU not do that? Um, Certainly. In the Big 12? They Certainly. can. They can go into Texas and be like, or Oklahoma. Hey, they didn't recruit you. Come play come, against come them. Come play in Provo. Come play at a high level. Come compete for championships. Come Absolutely. play in front of 19,000 crazy fans. Yes. It's come play be... in the biggest uh, stadium in the Big 12 yes. once Texas and Oklahoma leave. Let's use all those things yeah. to try and combat maybe not being cutting edge in terms of just straight up dollars. Because yeah, and, that's not BYU style. And let's get to that. Um, you heard Coach Pope in the last soundbite talk about NIL is a uh, major role in the roster building stability. Here he talks about how difficult the NIL situation is uh, at BYU. That's going to be a complicated thing here at BYU. It's 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 not traditionally the way that um, that that um, you know, it's 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 just it's it's a very new concept here. It's I think it's a concept that um, uh, donors and 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 fans are are um, appropriately um, cautious about evaluating. Uh, we are not on the cutting edge right now of NIL, and that's okay. That's probably appropriate for BYU. I do think we'll continue to grow there, and I do think it's. Yeah, it's a massively important part of college athletics right now, but we're going to figure that out the BYU way. And it's like I said, it's for us, it's it's not going to probably be at a place where it serves as a quick fix, but um, hopefully we can find a way where 
it's an incredibly positive experience for our student athletes. And this is interesting because I felt like when it all began, Jerem, with name, image, and likeness, BYU was at the forefront and on the cutting edge. The Built Bar Built came in and yeah. did their thing, and it blew up because BYU was the first to take on like a program-wide name, image, likeness. Basketball didn't get a deal like football did. No. Yeah. And so I don't Perhaps know if, it, don't know if it's like a BYU issue. And I even hate to call it an issue because I, I felt like the athletic department was on the cutting edge just a couple of years They're ago. They're doing a lot with Built for Life. They're doing a lot with, um, you know, Coot Connect and Royal Blue Collective and so on. I have two thoughts here. One is, why not? Why can't BYU be uh, on the forefront of this? Is it because we're already paying 10% and a generous fast offering? So we feel like we're already giving somewhere else? Um, what, what is it? And then compared to what? BYU's not at the forefront. Compared to what? Are we talking about... Um, upper upper echelon Big 12? Is that what we're probably. referring to? Probably. I, I would assume. Like uh, We want to be the best. We're right. looking at the best. Right. Okay. So you'll never compare to Texas. Don't worry about them. They'll be gone anyway. It's like, okay, Oklahoma State. Uh, uh, you know, T. Boone Pickens versus the field here. Um, can BYU be competitive in this? I would argue, why not? There why are not? ways that they can do it. And I know BYU's trying. Royal Blue Collective's trying. Yes. Connect's trying. Uh, the athletic department is trying. And Coach Pope, I don't think he's saying that BYU is not trying or doing a good job. Just currently behind. It just it feels Upper echelon, big a little bit Probably. behind. Yeah. It's not as simple as just having more dollars. It isn't. Right. And Royal Blue Collective, I went to a meeting, uh, very informative. They're trying to make it about more than a cash handout. Yes. They want it to be about preparing them to go out and connect and have experiences and not just. That's, that's the different thing about, honestly, BYU. Everyone says it, but BYU is unique. You, you come here as an athlete, and you make connections that help you get jobs, yes. set up for 100%. life, really sincerely care about you. It's, it's absolutely about athletics here, but it's actually about yeah. your life and athletics. This is a small amount of uh, time in an athlete's life. And it's I'll say this important. as a closing statement in our opening segment. It might not be the most, Jerem, the most money or the biggest number, but I guarantee it will be fulfilled at BYU. That I As opposed to some schools yes. who are not. There are no empty promises in that regard. They are so careful about that. Yep. They deliver on what they say will be there financially. Yes. I, that and, is a And guarantee. thus it is with the Big 12 TV contract as well. Let's go. Basketball tonight. Let's We're not go. done yet. The women are still playing. Nine Eastern, baby. Kaylee Smila and the Cougars taking on all the kernels of rice. <laughs> Nine Eastern on the BYU TV app. Let's go, baby. Up next, former BYU football running back Curtis Brown joins the program to preview the alumni game and look at BYU's current running back products. They're running back analysts. Why not have Curtis Brown do that? It's BYU Sports Name. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Wear your green so you don't get pinched. I always hated that in elementary school. Like, super annoyed. Just like, what? You can't just pinch me? Because I didn't wear a certain color of clothing? But this is, this is stupid. No pinching allowed! Uh, certainly not in Studio B right now. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It's time to welcome in uh, one of our luckiest. Now, we did the top 100 plays a couple years ago. Yes. And he had at least two plays in there. Uh-huh. 
Yes, he did. Curtis Brown. Curtis Brown, baby. Is on Love the Curtis program. Brown. And when I say lucky, we're lucky that he, show, he showed up and came to BYU. Right? Yes, we are. What's up, Curtis? How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. I'm just trying to figure out where you guys found a VHS player to, to play those highlights. <laughs> <laughs> we have our ways in the archives, Curtis. <laughs> the, the mountain. Oh we God. transferred those. <laughs> yes. No, I, one time a missionary was in, in the – uh, out here in Fresno and asked to see my highlights, my high school highlights. And so I brought out a VHS tape and he brought out a VCR. He was like, what is that? So I was like, man, definitely feel old. A VCR yeah. now, when we were little, is comparable to like a one-inch film or something. We're like, what? You're super old. It's like, no, VHS. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Run it's the reels old. back, boys. Tape. What is it? Yeah. yeah. Curtis, have you officially recovered from last year's performance at the alumni game? You good? You good now that you've had a full year? You know, it, it, I'll be honest. It, it took a good, you know, a few weeks of uh, physical therapy to, to work out some of these muscles. Uh, you know, I think just the adrenaline, the excitement, you're excited. And, and we had a lot of fun. But then that next day I woke up and was like, man, I have back issues, hamstring issues. Just a lot of parts of my body that were sore that haven't been sore in years. Hey, we're showing some of your highlights from last year. It, it was awesome. And, like, what a conclusion to that game, right? Uh, that was about as good as it could get. You couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, you know, it was it, it was a lot of fun. And for it being the inaugural, the first event of, uh, of many to come, uh, I think it ended in a great way. It creates a lot of excitement for this year's um, uh, alumni game. And I think uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be – there's going to be some competition. I know it's kind of like you watching any of these all-star games or, or alumni games where – you get people, they like to joke around quarter one through three, but then once that fourth quarter hits, you're playing for the big money, the big, the, the, <laughs> the big W, and everybody gets a little bit more competitive. How many times have you heard from Keel about his catch to win the game? You know what, Keel, I, I think Keel's trying to get some NIL deals. He's trying to get some more eligibility. <laughs> going to play tight end. Um, to be honest, I, I was so proud of him. Uh, he has been... Ever since I've known Kill, he's been the utmost ambassador for BYU football. And he's a stud of a human being, a stud of a player. And so for him to have that moment in front of his, I mean, having his kids out there watching them, I thought, you know, his dad, they probably had no idea his dad was a good football player, but now they think the world of him just because he caught a touchdown. They're like, dad played great offense. Uh, we don't even yeah. know about uh, defense and pick exactly. sixes and whatnot. Okay, before the game, were you guys all in the uh, home BYU locker room there? And who's, who's getting ready in, in a fun, weird way? Who's taking it too seriously? T- take us into the locker room there last year. Man, uh, Reno Mahe is always a hilarious dude. He, he's calling people out, people trying to spat up and, and get all taped up. He's like, come on, bro. Um, so <laughs> Reno's definitely one that's hilarious. Fahu, man, Fahu, he got jokes for days because he knows he's old and big. Um, you know, Fahu was fun to be around, just always joking with him. You know, it, it was it was fun just to see a lot of these guys just, uh, you know, connecting and, I mean – I didn't know uh, Max got into bodybuilding. That dude came out so swole. I didn't even think he was going to be able to throw a football. <laughs> Barely fit um, through the door. But he, he was focused. And so I had a, I had a chance to see a couple things that uh, BYU had done, some spotlights on Max. And uh, so proud of him and his journey and the example he's been to, to, to us all. Um, and just to see uh, what he's doing now in regards to being a coach and being a leader in his community. 
Um, it, it was it was great to play with him. I never had the chance to play with Max. He was redshirting my senior year, but a great individual. Curtis Brown with us on BYU Sports Nation discussing last year's alumni game and the approaching alumni game. We'll get back to that in just a moment, Curtis. But while we have you, I do want to ask you about the former BYU running backs that are still currently in the NFL. With you as a BYU alumnus, watching the likes of Jamal Williams and Tyson Williams and Tyler Algier all contribute and stick on rosters, what has that been like for you? You're just proud. I mean, I'll be honest, like, I mean, back in 2002, this is like 21, I'm dating myself, but being recruited by BYU, it was kind of like, oh, that's cool, but nothing special. Um, You know, it was like we were guaranteed once a year to be on a national game playing a team that was actually worthy of of, of playing. And so to, to now see that we're getting the exposure that we've always wanted from a TV perspective, to see we're actually getting the, the credibility um, from an NFL standpoint that we can't play in the league, um, that we have the talent that we shouldn't be, you know, judged just based on the conference we play in. But, you know, we have we have great athletes. And so uh, it, it just says a lot about what uh, Coach Sataki is trying to do, and he's trying to demonstrate to the world that, hey, you know, our boys can play. We, we're not just recruiting uh, members of the church. We're recruiting people that have talent and can help us win. Um, and if they happen to be a member, awesome. If not, it doesn't matter because we, we take in everybody and we're willing to give everybody a chance. And for those, those second tier, and, you know, I was watching your segment earlier in regards to the NIL. Um, you know, it's sad and unfortunate because I felt like BYU was uh, – I looked at BYU as a place where guys that felt like they deserved to be D1 felt that they deserved to be top-level guys that kind of got passed over by the Pac-12s and the Big 12s. This is their chance to prove those conferences wrong. And it seems like with NIL now is like guys are quick to, you know, use these smaller schools as a, as a you know, a catapult into a bigger school right before the junior or senior year. And at the end of the day, I believe in that loyalty. You know, you stay true to the people that were that gave you that shot. Um, and, you know, I think that's what you saw with Jamal Williams was he was loyal in the beginning. You know, he had, he had, had some issues with school, but instead of, walking away and going somewhere else, he decided to, to finish his time out at, at BYU, and that's just the kind of character he is. You know, you look at Tyler Algier, who was, you know, a walk-on, which is un- it's unbelievable based on how he played his junior year. Um, and, and the fact is, is that he, he committed to BYU, and he stuck it out, and he earned himself a scholarship, and he was a leader on this team. And so that's the kind of guys we want. We don't want guys that are, are coming in trying to, you know, play at BYU for a couple of years and then try to get back to your dream school. I mean, at the end of the day, playing for BYU should be everybody, uh, be everybody's dream. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to have those those types of guys. Well said. Tyler Algier, the greatest Orem Walmart employee turned NFL running back in history. Uh, no doubt. For sure. Let's talk about uh, the roster you've got uh, compiled for your team this year. Not on Max's team this year. You got Brandon Doman and John Beck, which is still pretty stinking good. What do you think of the roster? It's done. It's, I mean, <laughs> John Becker, you tell, I mean, the dude is, he's coaching NFL players as we speak. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I know he can still sling it. Um, we, uh, you know, I try to see John every, every year we go down to Newport for about a week with the family and I reach out to him every time I'm out there and he, he's still fit. I guarantee he can still, you know, throw the rock and he's a competitor. Um, the best, you know, one of the best competitors I've ever been a, 
uh, been aligned with. And I can tell you right now, uh, he's not coming out to Utah to lose. Curtis, what's your favorite John Beck moment or John Beck memory? John, I mean, I don't even know if it's appropriate for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, honestly, so I, it was interesting. Um, right before my senior year, me and John kind of got into it during the summer. Um, we were working on some seven-on-seven seven stuff in practice. And obviously, as a running back, you want to feel like you're part of that offense. And uh, I remember we were running some drills, and it, I, we had run like eight straight plays, and I didn't get the ball one time. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, man, I'm taking time out of my summer. I, you know, and you got, you're not even looking my way. And I yelled and got mad because I think he might have thrown an interception or something. And uh, Reno called me out. He was like, bro pulled me aside and he was like, dude, don't you ever, don't you ever call out your quarterback. Don't you ever talk to him that way. That's the leader of your team. And uh, I remember John walking over to me and just being like, Hey man, I, I know you're frustrated, but these are the things I'm trying to work in practice today. I'm sorry that um, it feels like I'm not focused on you, but you know, this is what I'm trying to get done. And I'm telling you, brother, brother, it's going to work out. And I just remember that moment. And, and from then on out, from then on out, uh, he just had my trust. Uh, he, I, I was a, a true believer in him because he could have been a jerk and just said, get off the field, go home then. Um, and not to two mile horn, but I still, I think, you know, my junior senior year, I led the team in, in reception. So, um, obviously he knew who's, who is his go-to guy was going to be. <laughs> so, uh, no, but it, it was nothing fancy on the field. It was more just the, the person and human being he was off the field. That's amazing. Was Reno working out with you guys from the Eagles? You know what? I, I want to say, yeah, he was. Um, you know, yeah, I, I'm, it's, it's hard. I was like, just Reno was out here with us. I mean, I felt like Reno was always – he's always been a part of the program since yeah. I've been there, just always been around, you know, supporting at different charity events and things like that. And so – but I actually do believe he was he was with the Eagles at that time. Now, Curtis, before you go, what's the life update? You're, you're, what are you taking a timeout from so that you can come back and participate in the alumni game? You know, honestly, I was taking time out from the gym, which is good. I, sh I was I was about to go do some dang cardio because I know that's going to hurt me in the elevation. So, uh, but any excuse to get out of cardio was is great for me. So, um, that's what I, that's the plan. Go to the gym. I have a, a couple of appointments for work later this afternoon. But uh, yeah, that was what I was focused on. Curtis, great to talk with you, man. Uh, we appreciate the insights. The stories are always fun. Oh, six team, one of the best ever, man. For sure, so good. Cannot wait yes. to see you back at the alumni game again, and uh, hopefully you get to run around Keel a little bit. Okay, we'll, we'll, we shall see. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Curtis. Thank you. Man, one of the most underrated BYU Love football Curtis players Prince. in the history of the program. Love Curtis He's the Prince. best. He was great. Okay, join us for what we were talking about, a full day of BYU football coverage on March 31st, noon Eastern. We have a two-hour alumni day special, 5 Eastern, the spring scrimmage for the first time ever. Watch Keaton Slovis and the boys. 7 Eastern, the alumni game. Can Brian Keel and the gang, Max Hall and company, <laughs> Curtis Brand, match at all what happened last year? Because that was so fun and unbelievable. I forgot that Curtis led the team in receptions in 06. I'm glad he brought that up. Hey, Mr. Mr. Uh, get you yards whenever you need it, man. These are, these are stars. Absolutely. Uh, the March Madness is definitely underway. And one upset in particular might change some things for at least a few BYU fans. We'll discuss next in The Whip. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. 
official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Arizona became the third straight team in three years to lose as a two seed to a 15 seed in the first round. Is your Wildcats to the Big 12 interest waning now? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no. One loss like that is not definitive of the overall value of just an incredible program. If Arizona decides to join the Big 12, fantastic. I, they would they would make an already incredibly difficult basketball conference that much more tough. Throwing Gonzaga as well. As Stuart Mandel told Holy us this week. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, did, did Princeton prove to us that, one, you don't even need a scholarship <laughs> to beat a two-season <laughs> athletic scholarship, and, two, that you don't need big NIL money? No, it, there, there's it some was, truth to that, though. It was just one game. We're talking about a whole season, right? And it was one upset. But, hey, that was something from the Jeremy, guys. let's talk about North Carolina. North Carolina. Like you think they have enough NIL money talent? for their basketball guys? They didn't even make the tournament this yeah. year. It's clearly not all about NIL. It's certainly a thing, but it's not the thing. For sure. It's one thing, and there are a lot of things. Yep. Doesn't hurt to have extra money, but come on. You can't just pin it on, well, if we had more money, we'd be better. That's not the case. That'll, you'll always say that, unless you're Texas. You're like, ah, actually, we have enough. <laughs> We're good. We have too much. All right, on to baseball. Is BYU allowing Utah to hold their game this weekend at Miller Park? Part of the Big 12 PR machine's plan to destroy the Pac-12? The Big 12 PR machine? Who's running this? Uh, Fake news! No. Fake news! No. Fake news! No, but Utah baseball does need their own facility. Uh, they share with Salt Lake Bees. They are going to get that, according to Mark Carlin, as you see. Yeah, no, that's cool. Like, I, fun fact, in 1951, the BYU men's basketball team didn't have a place to play because the Smithfield house was being constructed. And so they actually played at Springville High, the old women's gymnasium, across from the Provo Library, which was the BYA back in the day. That's right. And at Utah, they played up in Salt Lake. Well, this is just, we're returning the favor. Returning the favor, 72, 72 years, years later. later. Yeah, <laughs> 72 years later. We got later. you guys. <laughs> I need to uh, hand in this you owe me card from 72 years they ago. They Venmo them for the uh, <laughs> usage of the facility. What was the use cost? They're like, it was $3.81. <laughs> <laughs> Will Lauren Gustin get the 32 rebounds needed to break the single season NCAA record? Now, of course, BYU might need a couple games here. Yes, I think BYU is going to win tonight, and I think Lauren Gustin's going to hit at least her average, which is just a hair over 16, 16 rebounds per yeah. game. Yeah. So let's say she gets she needs two games. 18, and then BYU probably has a showdown with Oregon, which is just juicy with drama and weirdness based Love on it. players switching schools and recruiting. Uh, I think she's going to hit it, and it's going to be very, Woo! very close. How cool would that be? And, and thank goodness the WNIT is 64 teams. I think if it was in men's, BYU probably would have made it. Uh, oh, yeah, if it were a 64 team tournament? Yeah, so this is cool that the women get to continue. I think that's great. In fact, I'm like, why doesn't the NIT just go to 64 in men's? She's going to hit it. And it might be like with a minute left in the game. She the might need to game. throw a couple bricks <laughs> off the, just to set it. How about this G League TV on Instagram? This is weird. Has called Eric Mika. No. The G League's Bill Lame Beer. No. What? 
Is this a compliment or not? Listen, Bill Beer um, was less skilled, but more enforcer, hard worker. Certainly a good player. I'm not saying it wasn't a good player, but he was the enforcer. Great mid-range, great rebounder, but like his elbows were his greatest asset and his attitude. Like, <laughs> that, no, Eric Mika is not that guy. He is, Eric Mika is way more skilled. If you in hate my Dylan today. Brooks right now in the NBA, That's, Bill Beer is yes. like, Ten times worse. Yes, like the one kicking <laughs> incident with like Steph Curry or whatever. No, it's way more more than that. Dylan Brooks pushed down a TV cameraman and didn't even offer to help him up. Dude, Bill Beer probably gave the cameraman ten stitches and laughed in his face. Did he clobber Kurt Rambis? Like, you <laughs> would have been suspended now for like six games. What's the greatest NCAA upset you've ever picked in your brackets? Probably Weber State over North Carolina nice, in 1998. Dude. But that was clearly based in just fandom. Local. Yeah. Harold Arsenal. I lived Eddie in the Gale. shadows of Weber State I, University. I loved that team. Um, mine is when Steph Curry was at Davidson. I had them in the Elite Eight, and they went to the Elite Eight. Oh, very nice. That was a good pick for me. Okay. Now, But a shout-out to my four-year-old son, Tate, who last year as a three-year-old picked St. Peter's to get. Twice. He went to the. He had him in the title game. They went to the Elite. No, he did have Utah State in his Final Four. <laughs> they were out. Yeah. He picked St. Peter's in the Final They were almost He there. almost got it, which was crazy. Okay, game two of the LMU Baseball Series is tonight at uh, 9 Eastern time. Make that 8 Eastern time on the BYU Radio app. Up next, Elise Rollins, we call her the Rudy of BYU Women's Gymnastics. She's competing this weekend in the MRGC Championships. Up next, we get to know more about her story and the road, a long one that she took to get to where she is in Deep Blue. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We're live in Studio B. BYU Gymnastics will compete tomorrow in Cedar City at the MRGC Championships as an underdog. Elise Rollins, individually, an underdog herself. She's the All-American leader now for BYU on the bean specifically. But as a freshman, there was a question if she would ever even compete at all for BYU. Let's go deep blue with Elise Rollins. Watching beam, you feel like everything has to be perfectly straight, perfectly in line. You can't have anything off. And it is that way, honestly. <laughs> we saw her at summer camps. We saw her in competitions locally and nationally. I just remember watching her compete with this confidence that was like, wow, this girl loves being on the beam. And we knew that BYU was of interest to her and we wanted her on our team. We trained through the whole preseason her freshman year, and Elise is amazing. And technically, she could do everything we were asking her to do. But when we would put her in pressure situations as a freshman, she would just crumble. Whenever I was approaching the beam my freshman year, I would say a prayer. <laughs> but then after that, I kind of didn't have specific thoughts in my head. It's probably something like, you have to hit this, you have to impress guard, you have to prove yourself. But then I kept not doing as well as I hoped. I think she had a lot of doubt. She was overwhelmed, clearly. Uh, this is big time gymnastics. And my first beam inner squat, I started my beam routine and I fell twice. I was so nervous that my body, like I just, I don't know, my legs just stopped working. And then I also fell off on a turn, which is also such an easy skill, but I was so nervous that all I could think about was like, 
all the other things. And I remember guard coming to me and saying, can she really do this? And I was like, yes, she can do this, guard. I know she's got it in her. You know, based on the training she did and the, the falls she was having in preseason, yeah, there was clearly doubts. Can she handle the big moments? But she kept working at it. And Natalie just kept putting her arm around her and loving her and teaching her. And she was a sponge. She was taking in that information. That was when I was like, I need to do something. So then during finals week, we have open training. And I did 10 routines a day, <laughs> which is a lot in gymnastics. If I'm saying to her, OK, this needs to be better, she's like, how does it need to be better? What do I need to do exactly to fix that? And then she'll do, you know, 20 more. Because I was like, I really want to be in lineup. I really obviously want to be on the team. <laughs> so I just worked hard. And then from there, it was when I like kind of flipped a switch. What we did was we exhibitioned her in the first few meets of the season. And you could literally see her like shaking on the beam. And I was just like, oh no, are we going to get her to that place where she can actually be a competitor? Beam is one of the hardest ones to like coach because in the gym, they look great and they're in their own comfort of their own walls and their own lights and their own ceiling. And then you take it out on the big stage and everything just gets huge and grand. And can, can you handle those moments? We just kept putting her in pressure situation after pressure situation. There's loud music, there are lights, their boyfriend might be in the stands, their mom might be there. They don't want to disappoint their team. They're wondering what the judges are thinking of them. But if they can just bring their focus back to those mental cues, they will perform better. I am quick, I'm strong, and I'm powerful. I'm going to hit this, but I tell myself that I am those things to force my body to be more than it is, probably. After a few meets, she was going in, she was looking more comfortable, and then she was outscoring some of the players we had in our lineup. And then by her sophomore year, I mean, she was a star on the balance beam. To become an NCAA All-American, it's, it's not easy. Schools like you know, Oklahoma and UCLA and Florida and Alabama and Georgia and University of Utah, that's where the star athletes are going, right? The star gymnasts, the Olympians. To say I want to be an NCAA All-American means I'm going to compete with those kids. That year, I put it down as one of my goals. And it was like, it's kind of out of reach, and it's not really something that you can control because it's based off of your score. It's one thing to say it, but it's another whole nother level to do it. What she's capable of is has kind of blossomed over the last year or two where she's like, oh, wow. I didn't know all those days and moments where I just kind of chose to keep pushing along. They would turn into something like this much fun. You can honestly achieve anything if you work hard enough and if you believe in yourself. It's just an incredible journey to watch her go from being talented, but then actually transforming that into being a competitor. I think she takes advantage of the moments she has here, and she'll be able to come back with no regrets 20 years from now and say, it was pretty awesome to be a cougar gymnast. Well, we wish our best of luck to uh, Elise and BYU Gymnastics tomorrow at the MRGC Championships. They'll be live on ESPN Plus at Southern Utah in Cedar City. The Cougars will look to solidify a better spot in regional qualifying. Now, how it works is 28 teams get auto bids, 
And then there are eight teams that compete for the final four spots. There's a play-in It's like a play-in now, right? Yes. Has this always been the case, or is this new this year? The last three years. Last three years. So okay. BYU, right now at number 34. You're typically just win in that top 28. Yes. Yeah. At number 34, they'll probably be in a play-in scenario to get to one of those separate location regionals. But okay. good, good luck. Good luck to the Cougs. Yeah. Show up uh, tomorrow in Cedar City. Okay, we're one week away from BYU football's Pro Day. The final one at BYU. Then it's uh, you know run by the Big 12 and the NFL, which is awesome. Uh, so watch this one. Two-hour edition of the show next Friday, live from the indoor practice facility. Blake Freeland, Jaron Hall, and Puka Nakua, among others, featured. Up next, some of the luckiest wins in BYU history. And a shout-out to Cinderella story dreamers making some national noise. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Listen to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review as well. Our question of the day is this. What is the luckiest mm. win in BYU history? Yeah, I know it's a little cheesy. It's St. Patrick's Day. But it you is. know what? I'm embracing it. We're it discussing is. luck. I did have lucky charms for breakfast. I'm dead serious. So did my kids. I was like, this is the day. Courtesy of my mother. Their grandma Linton hooked them up with the lucky charms. My daughter did ask me, the leprechauns uh, didn't visit us Overnight, Daddy, so are they going to come during the day? I'm like, I put on my vivid security. Ain't no leprechauns like, coming in uh, our house today. Yeah, we'll see if they visit our house later today. What a creepy idea. <laughs> yeah, this random stranger is going to come in our house during the night. What? Reminds me of that old news clip where they, they sketch, like, what a leprechaun looks like. <laughs> uh, hey, Google. man, want to hear that leprechaun up that tree? Say, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I love that video. Our question of the day again. Luckiest win in BYU history. Yeah! D. D Young 1993 on Twitter says, there's so many of them. But I'm going to say last season's Boise State game okay. just due to the fact that there have been so many times where replay has gotten the call wrong mm. that it was lucky that BYU benefited and they got it right on such a close call. That's a great play. Um, you know, so much skill, obviously, by Puka, but like luck that you can gather it, that you can get a toe down. The great photo by Jaron Wilkie. Yes. And Nate Dog for BYU Photo. The awesome. Put it in the Louvre photo. Put it in the Louvre, baby. <laughs> put it in the, no, for us, that's the MOA, the Museum that, of Art. That's right. Yeah. That, that's true. Yeah. At D Stokes 11, hands down, it's Bosco limping back onto the field mm -hmm. after seemingly a game-ending injury to lead BYU to victory over Michigan for the national champion. You know what, Blaine's like, oh, man. It was lucky that <laughs> Robbie could still play. Yes. Okay? That was, that was awesome. We have some fantastic options. I'm just going to start with the 1992 WAC championship game. Again, Kevin Nixon. Kevin Nixon. 55 awesome. feet away. Like, splash. Like, doesn't touch any of the rim. Amazing. Just perfect shot. Win the WAC title, which is a tournament, yes. so you can win a tournament title which is unfamiliar. And go to the tournament. And then you go to the tournament. It's well, a crazy concept. Well, and BYU was down, too. Jeremy wasn't tied. They had to have They it. were down. A couple years ago, three or four, we did uh, a segment where Kevin and his son Dalton, who was on the team at the time, sat down, talked about their experiences at BYU, yeah. and then we had them simulate the play, and Dalton made it on his first <laughs> shot, like from the spot. Yes. It was so cool. Fantastic. That wasn't the only buzzer beater Kevin Nixon had in 1992. They had to scramble, got a rebound, threw up a shot at the buzzer against Oklahoma in the Maui gym. That's right. Uh, invitational. That's right. And made it. And made it. Two buzzer beaters for him that year. Mr. Buzzer Beater. 
Um, let's talk about the lucky bounce from T.J. Haas at Houston. T.J. Haas at Houston. That was a great play. I, I think um, I think both the Hail Marys are some of the luckiest plays in BYU history. You can include the three if you include Boise State in 2015. Obviously, 1980, throwing to Clay Brown. That's amazing. That whole comeback. Again, are like, you need some skill. Yes, but you need the ball to bounce your way. You need... Mm-hmm. You need the air to be a certain way when that ball is coming down. You need to be in the right spot. You need the refs to, to hopefully allow the play to happen. If they're hold, They don't always call that. 2013, Mitch Matthews from Taysom Hill, no call. That's not a Hail Mary we talk about because uh, there was holding on that play. <laughs> but 2015 at Nebraska, unbelievable as well yeah. uh, from uh, you know, Tanner Mangum to Mitch Matthews. Those are awesome. Well, and sometimes, again, Calls go your way, yes. even when they, upon further review, probably shouldn't have gone. This, this your one way. sticks out to me the most. Like if there was review, this this would not have happened. Okay, so there are two. 2010, BYU gets lucky against San Diego State to win 24-21 because a call favors BYU when it clearly should not have. Because BYU won that game, they had six wins on the season that got them to a bowl game. And the Bronco takes over the defense turnaround. Then, then they win the ball game for seven wins. In 2000, football at Utah, Luke Staley This fumbled. is the play I'm talking about. He fumbled yep. on the game-winning drive that preserved Lavelle's last miracle. Yes. Like, if we have our replay now, it's a fumble. BYU fumbles and Utah yes. wins the game. Lucky. 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 For Absolutely. Sure. For sure. The Connoisseur Clank you brought up this morning. I was in the Utah student section with my BYU-loving uncle yes. who I couldn't even see it. And he goes, they missed it. I just heard him. <laughs> Great stuff. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from at 86 WI Coog. This is a no-brainer. It even has its own special name, Miracle Bowl. Yep. BYU-SMU in the 1980s. My grandma had a glass that like had oh. the score and the, everything on it. That's I amazing. remember that as a kid. It was awesome. Okay, today's Rise Shout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics, to Princeton and Furman for making the tourney what it is. So fun to watch. So fun. Like At that point, everyone's brackets are done. Who cares? It's what it's, it's about. Fun. It's so awesome. Our thanks to today's guest, Curtis Brown. Sorry to Dennis Pitt. We ran out of time. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all our shows on demand on BYUSN. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Lucky Finau on St. Patrick's nice. Day. See you tonight for BYU Women's Basketball as they host Rice in the opening round of the WNIT 9 Eastern on the app. Go Cougs! Let's go!